Oh, there you are. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Hey, man, thanks for joining us today. I know you're super busy, man. That's okay. I appreciate you making time in your day. No, it's fine. Forgive me. I just flew into <clears throat> Minneapolis here for one of our clients of the Vikings, Harrison Hand. So let me just get buckled up here, and I'm all yours. All right. Awesome, man. Well, I think we have a pretty good quorum already. I'm just going to introduce you. I, I think for those of you who don't know who Chris Cabot is, uh, Chris is one of the few NFL what you would call a super agent. Uh, he's president. I'll just start off with that. But he's uh, president sweet, and COO of uh, Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, which is one of the largest uh, in their industry. Uh, he handles top NFL talent, including Tua Tagovailoa, who's going to be coming here to Miami shortly, uh, as well as Pat Mahomes, who just signed the biggest contract in sports history. So, and don't forget uh, about South Florida native Jerry Judy. Oh, there you go, Jerry Judy. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a big one. So. Uh, obviously, Chris is at the very top of his game. Uh, we're going to be talking about NFL and COVID today, so it should be interesting to hear your perspective as to what the future holds. I know there's a lot of question marks about, you know, preseason, regular season, safety. So I'm going to start a little bit about just talking about you and your success, because obviously you've been ultra successful at a very young age. Um, what do you keep, think? Of keep, that, the keep that young thing going here. <laughs> that makes my well, grades so and my crow's feet feel better. Yeah, I mean, not yet, for sure. Um, what you know? What does it take to become a high-level sports agent, and what do you attribute your success to? I have any success in this world. It's because of God's grace and uh, the people that I was blessed to have in my life that he put in my life, from my parents to mentors to, to friends to family. Um, I think as an agent, you have to be adaptable. Hence me driving while we're doing this, which I didn't expect. But um, I got a call that I had to be out here, and here I am. So I think the biggest thing about being an agent is you're in the service industry. You're serving others. You're helping others. You're taking care of others. And that is something that I enjoy. I think I'm kind of an, a servant leader naturally. And I just love helping people make a difference in their life. I mean, that's the... That's the, the reason God put me in the serve. And I enjoy that tremendously. So um, I think as long as you're willing to put others ahead of yourself and work hard and have a plan for them and help them advance their goals, I think you're going to be in a really good place. Uh, that's that's a great message to hear. I mean, you got to be passionate about what you do. Mm -hmm. you got to love what you do first and foremost. Absolutely. What, how do you feel like what has been the key to you landing top NFL talent as opposed to other agents? What do you think separates you from other people in order to land people like Jerry Judy, Tua Tagovailoa, and obviously Pat Mahomes? Well, I think the biggest thing is just the agent industry and the word recruiting. The word recruiting in general is um, – it's something that's very unique and very personal. When you look at why do athletes go to certain colleges and things like that, because there's a dynamic, unique fit there. And it's the same thing here. It's, it's, there's a unique fit. Um, I love getting to know people. It's probably my favorite thing about this business, meeting new people, getting to know them. And for us, it's, it's really three things. It's plan, trust, and synergy. Have a plan for somebody earn their trust, and then have a synergy where folks just genuinely like each other. So we're very detail-oriented. We're very plan-oriented. We are blessed to have the chairman in Lee Steinberg who literally created this industry 
And Lee's principles and architecture are things that I followed very early in my career, always admired, and they're part of everything we do today. We have an incredible staff of 12 people and just really saw the earth folks. Julia Farron, our VP of media and PR is second to none, top in the, in the planet in which she does. Selwyn Roberts, who's also an agent, director of web development, is a, an ace with anything digital. Matt Steinberg, our director of football operations, is a, is a true savant. Ian Hill, our director of, of social media is excellent. Juwan Brown, our director of brand partnerships is excellent. Mariah Haynes, our director of um, operations is fantastic. Juliana Rubin, our assistant director. Uh, Safet Bichette, our assistant director of football operations. And, um, and, and Jordan, um, Jordan Hickman, our director of creative content. If you enjoyed Jerry Judy's announcement yesterday, if you enjoyed Patrick Mahomes' announcement and when he signed his contract, Jordan did both of those. So we just have a really great, great team around here that I'm very honored to work with. And Ishmael Lawrence, we can't forget Ishmael. He works with us and he does a fantastic job. Well, awesome. I mean, it's all about team. Obviously, you can't do it alone. No. Uh, you know, before I get into the COVID, just one more non-COVID question, which is, if you look at sports salaries over the last 20, 30 years, they have, they've certainly skyrocketed. What do you attribute that to? Is it the fan base? Is it the media? Is it the TV coverage? How come, how come athlete salaries have gone up tremendously over the last 10, 20, yeah. 30 years? It's primarily the TV deals because you're getting more and more exposure there, greater, greater rights fees, et cetera. It'll be interesting to see what happens with some of the new deals that are being done with the Amazons and some of the bundling and some different streaming, things like that. I only expect media to go up now in the NFL. The, the salary cap is likely going to be flat for a number of years because of COVID. And we're going to have to borrow from future years to keep things flat. So players don't take a dip in salary, but you know, obviously, so that's interesting. I just want to focus on that a little bit. So let's start off by saying, how has the pandemic affected you and Steinberg sports and entertainment before we get into the players? For sure. Um, we've been blessed. We've been lucky. We haven't been impacted that much. Um, we've, we've been, We've had a draft on time. We had free agency on time. Our endorsements have been on time. Our players have reported on time. So we've really, really been lucky. God really put his hand on us in the football world. Our CBA got ratified and extended early. So we've been lucky. We've been fortunate. The, the first time we'll really face any potential interruption is what happens in the next few weeks. That's, that's great to hear. Now, what about the players – and their salaries. You were kind of hinting at the fact that that if the income, if the revenue for these teams go down, are this how do you keep the player salaries where they are? Yeah, it'll it'll be borrowing from future years of the salary cap. The salary cap's going up usually about ten million dollars a year. And what'll happen there is you'll borrow from future years to keep it to keep it flat, make sure the folks don't dip. Now, here's what I will say to you though. The teams get the luxury of if they have any cap money that wasn't spent that cap money rolls over to the next year so the cap this year was 198 million if a team didn't spend all their cap money last year whatever they didn't spend rolls over to this year oh rolls over okay that's not going to happen next year oh. so for most teams they're going to be in a deficit 
and it's so it's it's going to be flat but you're not going to have the virtue rolling over so it's it's essentially going to be a deficit so that's there's there've been some folks out there who have been suspecting and anticipating and kind of banking on a big boom in salary cap in 2022 and that's likely not happening yeah i can't honestly i can't imagine a scenario where it will so i think that's something that veteran players in particular in being strategic about extensions and future deals really have to think about. So you don't think the salary cap is going to boom, but you also don't think players are going to take a hit in salary because of, because of the rollover and borrowing from, from future years. As long as we can have a season and borrow from future years, things will be flat. If there's a cease in season, if there's a shutdown, there will be a reduction in compensation. Now, the union is working on that basically in a stipend situation that would give players partial revenue. So it wouldn't be totally out, but there could be a reduction if the season's canceled. Super interesting topic. Let's just get a little bit more into that, and then we'll talk about the actual season itself. So do you think that similar to baseball that has a 60-game season, they're getting paid prorated, if NFL plays six games, eight games, are they going to get a third of their salary or half of their salary based on the number of games they played. If like you said, the season has ceased. That's to be determined, but there's, there's going to be, there's, there are scenarios that are being discussed that could, yeah. could be along those lines. Yeah. Now looking forward to the NFL season, obviously that's like America's you know biggest sport in terms of fans, revenue, all that stuff. How is the NFL preparing for the 2020 mm -hmm. season in light of the pandemic? I heard for there was sure. maybe no preseason. There was a rumor That's true. that. That's true. There's no preseason. The NFL and the NFL Players Union agree there would be no preseason. The reality of it is teams have gone through a very stringent protocol and policy to try to make the buildings as safe as possible, have as much COVID testing as possible. The the union has cross-checked that, double-checked that with the medical community, and it's been determined that it's safe to start. I think that obviously what you're going to see is a lot of COVID testing. The way this all starts is it starts with a a test. If a player passes the first test, and in 72 hours they've passed another test, and once they've passed that, they can begin practice. If they haven't passed both tests, they have to quarantine. So that's just the initial run of it. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how those COVID tests go. Um, obviously, football is a contact sport, so there's close proximity. But the, I will say this. I think the league and the union have done an excellent job getting it in as safe a place as possible to get back to work for where we start now. There's no question that it's a one-day-at-a-time type thing. Um, Best-case scenario, we'll start a season probably – like baseball, like basketball, without fans. And obviously that's going to be subject to state and local law. So God willing, folks continue to wear a mask. Folks continue to boost their immune systems. Folks continue to, to distance. And we can get through this thing. Gotcha. Have they talked about how often they want to test the players? Is it every week before the game? So that maybe on Saturday, so on Sunday, you know someone doesn't have it before they play? or Sure. Sure. So they... I mentioned to you the initial screening and then it's going to be, it's going to be weekly once we get past that. And then before games, there's a process where your players are going to get tested before games as well. That's one of the reasons why a, an extra quarterback spot 
was permitted for rosters, essentially be on the practice squad, but but available to be called up at any second for that. You know, you saw the Chiefs add Matt Moore. They brought Matt Moore back to essentially be that guy. You know, obviously yeah. you can't have a game. You can't have a scenario where your quarterback gets ruled out, you know, 24, 48 hours before a game, and you don't have someone that is experienced behind him. Yeah. By the way, I just want to say hello to some friends. Ishmael Lawrence, I see you. Stadium, I see. Christian Ciccoli, I see. Thank you guys for joining. Doctor is tremendous at what he does, and it's an honor to be with him. Oh, awesome. Well, listen, man, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Um, do you feel like football is more affected than other sports because of the contact nature? Oh, I do. There's no question. You know, obviously, guys are in close proximity. I think baseball, obviously, is probably the most distant sport of them all hockey's a contact sport obviously basketball you're playing close to each other so that's there's no question there's a lot of contact there now what about what about uh different positions you know a lot of the a lot of the id doctors a lot of the specialists say that the linemen who are continually mm -hmm. running into each other and are literally inches away from each other's faces the linemen are most at risk whereas the skill players like a wide receiver may not be in such close contact. Do you think that the linemen should get extra testing, any special uh, precautions? I think there's no question that you're going to have to keep an eye on your linemen. You're going to have to keep an eye on everybody, but for the reason you just mentioned, there's more concern there. Another thing too, body mass index is one of the, I won't say pre-existing conditions, but something that we, um, you know, it's been something that folks that have a high, high um, likelihood of getting COVID, the higher the body mass index. Now, obviously, for the average person, you're talking about obesity as a function of body composition, body fat, whereas with an offensive line and a defensive line, you can have a 300-pound guy with 6, 7, 8, 10% body fat. So you're, it's different that way. Um, but nevertheless, it's your, your linemen are probably the most susceptible of, of the – athletes on an NFL roster. We've got to take care of them. We've got to protect them. And I think yeah. the league and the union have put together good protocols to do that, but something they have to stay on top of. And I, I send this message to society. I, this morning, got off a red eye from Los Angeles to Minneapolis. It was my 60th flight in pandemic. And God willing, I've been in great health, um, but I do a daily immune booster. And it's apple cider vinegar and elderberry syrup in the morning. And then I do three liters of water with, um, with greens. And with 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C, I do vitamin D, I do oregano oil, and I do 50, at least 15 minutes of sunlight. I know that sounds ridiculous, but the body can't absorb the nutrition without that. And I'm a big believer in preventative maintenance. Even with our guys in training, you have to be, you have to be, you have to do preventative work on injuries to keep yourself healthy. And I think all of us as a society have to do that. I put out my little concoction on my IG story from time to time, and it's just the sort of thing we have to wear masks, we have to sanitize, we have to keep our hands clean, we have to stay away from people. You know, we just have to be smart here. If, if we're all smart as a society and as a world and as a planet and as a community, <laughs> we'll get better. You know, we, we will get better here, but it's, it's a committed thing. That's my, yeah, that's I mean, my I getting very address. I, I mean, just like you were saying, I think sleep, exercise, and yep. diet, yep. those sure are the three good. most important things. And you can do whatever you want about washing your hands, wearing That's a right. mask. But if you're not sleeping, you're not eating right, and you're not exercising, uh, it kind of defeats the purpose. So, um, but you know, back to your clients because I know that you have a very special relationship with your clients. I do. 
Um, are your clients, families. are your clients scared about COVID? I mean, there's definitely athletes who have come out and said, we're not cool with this. We're scared about the season. We don't want to get yeah. sick. You know, you don't have to mention names, but do you have clients who are like, look, Chris, I really don't want to play this year. There's no question that we're all concerned. Those first few flights I took, I was terrified to be honest to God. I was terrified. Um, I think as time has gone on, the, the fear has worn off. As more information has come out, the fear has worn off. As more tests has come out, the fear has worn off. Nevertheless, I have clients that have young children. And they're, they don't want to have take any risk that they're going to have a young child that's going to grow up without a father. I can't blame them for that. And if there are any clients that want to opt out, I support that. We haven't had anybody say that yet, but if that were to happen, I would have to support them fully. I think obviously for guys that are maybe on a one-year contract or the final year of the contract and nothing's guaranteed, maybe they're at a minimum level salary. If they're a veteran client, they've been wise with their money and they have kids and they have families, they're more likely on a spectrum where they're saying maybe opting out makes some sense. So um, we, ha like I said, we haven't had anybody say that yet, but there have been some concerns and some fears brought up. And, and look, when more than a half a million people around the world have died, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you know, on, on that same spectrum, how do you think this pandemic might affect players who are in contract years, right? So you're in your final year. Sure. The year may or may not happen. Um, if it does happen, it's going to be obviously a very odd type of year. What do you tell your clients who are in contract years coming up? Well, here's what I'll say to you. If you're a veteran, I think you have to understand the climate that's a result of this pandemic. For guys that were, and, and by the way, contracts and contract extensions are a very personal thing. They're very unique to the client. They're very unique to the client's families, to the needs. You know, something Lee always talked, one of Lee's core principles, listening. What's important to someone? Why does this matter? And I think in veteran free agency this past year and in guys looking at extensions versus franchise tags, the cap's not going up. The cap could go down. The cap hopefully will stay flat like I've talked about. If a player said, I'm not taking the extension and I'm sticking with a franchise tag, you're really betting on yourself for a couple of years. And the reality of it is on that, you're not putting yourself in a place of guarantees for long-term guarantees for injury or anything like that. So what I would say to athletes in the NFL, really educate yourself on the cap. Really educate yourself on what's going to potentially happen with the economics of the cap and make decisions accordingly. I'll say this too. I think that there are a number of players that are could be up for an extension that they're going to have to consider if the team hasn't made them an offer and they're not committed to the player and the players in a situation where maybe they have young children, thing like, things like that, they may have to consider opting out. And I think in some cases that may become the, a degree of a, of a negotiation tactic or a, not, not intentionally, but just by default. Yeah. You know, because you, you got to think about that. You, you can't put your family at risk. You can't put your kids at risk. You can't put your spouse at risk. Yeah. It sounds like things might get a little messy there. Um, 
do you think there's going to be a college football season? I know that's a little bit outside your, your expertise, okay. but it's still in the same. Sure. No, I, I think there will be. I think you could see the sort of thing where it starts later. You could see maybe start in October. It could just be six games, eight games, things like that. The, the amazing thing is so much of our national economy, I think even more than folks realize, is dictated by football, pro and college. And we're in a situation where, and I'm not saying this is the full thing, but as a, as a, and this is not a political statement, this is totally an economic statement. Our national debt continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's been bought up primarily by China because of trade and whatnot. But China is starting to reach a saturation point on how much debt it can buy. And as a result of that, you know, I, I think there are pressures to get on with football for economic reasons. And that has to be balanced with health and safety. So we, we all have to be very honest with ourselves. We all have to look at every factor. We have to keep our athletes safe. We have to keep our coaches safe. We have to keep our front office safe. We have to keep our staff safe. And at the same time, you know, there is a push for the economic reasons. Obviously, you can't balance one against the other. But I think there's a strong push to have a college season because of that. Yeah, I mean, what, what would you say? Let's say that the NFL season – uh, doesn't happen or it only has one game or two games and someone has it, there's an outbreak, everyone freaks out. What is the financial impact in terms of numbers, a general number of if there is no NFL season, how many hundreds of millions or shall we say, is it billions that are lost? For the NFL, for the salary cap? and whatnot? Yeah, if there's, no, if there's yeah. no season, how much revenue is lost for all the projected. teams? What was that? I'm sorry. It's a projected $2 billion loss. It's a projected $2 billion loss. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, clearly it's the, it's the whole opening up versus staying closed in the economy argument, uh, you know, health versus, versus economy. Obviously, there's a big driver there. And then just the last couple of questions here while we end it. Uh, what do you think about people who say that having the NFL season is not morally right? People are dying. It's a pandemic. Why are we putting these players at risk, right? These people are not commodities. These are human beings. They have families. Why are we even putting them at risk, whereas we're asking other people to work from home, don't come in? What, what about the moral background of this decision? They're right. There's no two ways about it. I, I was on a call with, with players a couple ago. And I, I won't say the player's name, but he's a very well-known player in this league. And he said, we're not essential workers. And he's right. Nevertheless, it's a personal decision. And I think that the union and the league have done a good job of creating an opt-out program, an opt-out situation. Yeah. Well, so your final statement, you think there will be an NFL season, but perhaps shortened. I, I won't say that just yet. I think it's a day-by-day -day thing it's one day at a time um you know obviously we're looking to open up on the 28th for everybody rookies have reported early i'm in minnesota today i have a client here who started camp the we'll see how it goes you know i think again i think the union i think the league has spent a lot of time putting good safety measures in, in place been very diligent there and prayers that the contained protocols that the NBA has put together where you haven't seen any COVID uh, positive tests in a while, I believe, 
you know, God willing, that carries over the NFL and, and just God willing in general that as a society, people take this thing serious, people sanitize, boost their immune systems, wear a mask, social distance, whatnot. I mean, at the end of the day, it's we the people, right? It starts with us with this thing, and, and we have to be smart there. So um, I've, I have flown a lot because I have to, not because I choose to. Um, and I, I try to be as safe as I possibly can, both for myself and for other people. So, and I've been tested and God willing, I've, you know, I continue to be negative and, and I've had my temperature checked almost every day. Um, I, I kind of like those guns. I like when they turn it sideways at me like that. It's always kind of fun, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's important. Yeah. Well, listen, Chris, I won't waste any more of your time. You've been no, amazing. You're not a waste, man. You're a blessing. And I appreciate you. And listen, I appreciate what you do for our world. I appreciate what you do in, in the neuro world. You're obviously one of the top docs in the country and the, in the planet. Um, the heroes and the MVPs of the pandemic have been fo folks like yourself. So thank you for your service and thank you for all that you do. Well, awesome, Chris, man. All right. Um, you know, make sure you stay safe. Uh, yes, sir. And have a safe flight back home. Okay. All right, my man. Continue blessings right, to you yes. and yours. God bless. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye -bye.